Welcome back to the PCS Podcast, your th- home for all things competitive Pokemon. I'm your host, Justin Pokebrews, uh, not Drew this week. Um, in this week's episode, we're going to go over uh, Dark Bear Dojo and what that is, Sacramento Regional Review, uh, all tied up to, at Fun to Fun, and end the podcast with the Lil, Lil Predictions. Uh, with me today is Nick. Um, no longer nine card TCG. Um, how are you doing, man? I'm doing all right. Uh, I, I was playing some VGC again. I hit master ball rank in, uh, on the ladder. Nice. So that was fun. It was the first time I've ever done that. So it was very exciting, but I think the more important or bigger thing is that yes, I it, no longer nine card TCG. It does not exist. It was a terrible name if we're being honest. <laughs> um, it, but it, we we are now Dark Bear Dojo, and um, I, I'm just going to take a very quick moment to explain why I rebranded to Dark Bear Dojo. Yeah, please do. Dark Bear Dojo is a place. That's what I want. I want the channel. I want the Discord. The com- I want it to be a community. So having a, a, the channel name and the Discord name being a place makes it so that it's somewhere that people feel they can go to train, right? That's what you do at a dojo. You train, you learn, you hang out, you you enjoy yourself. And by rebranding that, I think I can achieve those goals a little better. I don't want I don't want people to be a fan of me. I want them to be a fan of what we're creating together, what we're building together in the Pokemon community. So uh, I think having Dark Bear Dojo it's a nod to Urshifu, right? Dark Bear is yep. the Unite nickname for it. Uh, and it's, and like I said, Dojo, Train. Uh, so I, I think this accomplishes my goals for the channel and as a content creator better than just a, a random name I made up, Nine Car TCG. So that's the, the nice. reasoning behind it. Yeah, no, that is awesome. I, I love the name. Um, if Drew is here, he'd have uh, another acronym for you, but I'll let him <laughs> him say that next time for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, listen, you could make any uh, anything, you know, DVD. You could make that whatever you want. Any any <laughs> combination of words, so whatever. Drew can have his fun. No, no, I really, I do really like the rebranding though. I think that's awesome. You did a really good job. The graphics look amazing and. Um, I agree, you know, it's uh, as a place, you know, Pokemon, we all gather in a place and play the game and, you know, whether it's VGC, TCG. Um, so it is really cool that you put that all together and made it, made it, uh, your new personality. Yeah. Yeah. I, I will say I did not come up with the logo and everything that was, I had, um, some help from Dustin Zimmerman. So I, I put a, a link to his Twitter and everything. I posted about it on on Twitter. So uh, if if you want graphics or anything like that, go check him out. He did a wonderful, wonderful job. Took all the the ideas I had and really fleshed them out to be what I thought it was a, a fantastic logo. All these extra assets and um, it it was a a great time working with him. He was uh, seriously he did a wonderful job. So can't thank him enough. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, definitely a good thing you shouted it out then, so hopefully other people can check him out as well, too. Um, enough about me. Let's move on to uh, Sacramento Regional, shall we? Yeah, yeah. Um, Actually, I was, wait, how, how was your week? I, I didn't even get the chance so, to ask you. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, so, I, 
I don't want to get too somber. Um, obviously, for our listeners, if you guys uh, heard last week's episode, um, I was not here. Um, I had some uh, very unfortunate family uh, emergency come up with my daughter. Um, uh, like I said, not to get into it too much, but she did get uh, diagnosed with a autoimmune disease, um, and we're kind of dealing with that uh, and going through it. She's uh, way better than she was this time last week. Um, we spent the entire night in the ER. Um, it was a scary thing as a parent to go through. Um, yeah, I so, couldn't imagine. Yeah, it was. It was. It was crazy. Um, but I did find a little time. The wife allowed me this weekend to break away and I got to play in uh, a double header challenge. Um, didn't, I bubbled in both. Um, I just don't think my mental was all there either. Cause, uh, you know, obviously everything going on, hadn't been sleeping too much. Uh, yeah, of but, course. but luckily, like I said, as of today, everything's a lot better. We had our first, uh, follow-up appointment, um, today and everything came back clear on the test. So that's good. Excellent. And it's like Excellent. this, it's yeah. And the good thing is with this autoimmune disease, it's what's called a self-limiting. So it's actually something that can, uh, go away after a while, which is really interesting as long as like we keep up with everything and you know, all the tests come back positive. So right. there's okay. good news and bad news, obviously, you know, having that, but then good news that it can go away. So relieved that we found that out and stuff like that, but it was just, it was a, a crazy, crazy week, but, um, yeah, you know, I'm sure. uh, yeah. So, and then, uh, obviously for the, our listeners, uh, Drew's not here this week. Uh, we, uh, Nick and I talked with him before we started recording, and uh, he was very squeaky. He lost his voice randomly, so uh, that is why he's not here because he wanted to save your guys' ears uh, from being squeaked to death. So he, he was at the Halo World Championships over the weekend, and now he has party girl voice. So, yeah, just screamed his head off the whole time. <laughs> but okay, um, I'm glad everything is better with your daughter it makes me super happy to hear i was thinking about you all week so i'm thank glad you, to thank know you that so much you know even though she does have this autoimmune disease i'm sure it's better to know what it is and be able to deal with it and you can have this path forward and hopefully she does age out of it yeah yeah thank you i mean it was like i said it was the scariest thing uh last monday to to deal with all that but um, as crazy and as rare of a thing as it was, um, luckily our primary doctor, um, or her pediatrician, actually her son had the exact same thing with it, even though it's so rare. Um, so she's actually super in tune with it. And that's why I think we're going to like, we're on a great track already because, um, her primary completely understands this. So it's, it's, it's a good feeling with that as well too. So. Um, just super happy to see her like, like we were out in the yard today and this is the first time she got to go outside in over a week. So super excited, but, um, but thank you for that. Um, you know, and you know, like I said, save the somber for later on with that. Let's get into the Sacramento regional review. The thing that people are here and they want to listen to us talk about. Yeah. Let's our, do hear it. our bad takes. Uh, that's all I got. <laughs> yeah. So the, the top eight, uh, well, so Sorry. At the Sacramento Regional, we had 1,427 masters, uh, just absolutely massive. Um, I think I heard numbers like they were under 1,000 this time last year or something like that. So to see it continue to grow, um, especially for a West Coast Regional, is, is absolutely awesome. But yeah. for the top were, eight, we had... Under 1,000 oh, last, uh, last year? I, that's what I heard. I, I'm, I could be... That's- 
could be wrong, but I, I saw somewhere on the Twitterverse that uh, or Xverse that it was uh, under a thousand. Maybe it was two years ago. It could have been last year, but yeah, it's just the fact that a West Coast regional has this many players because it is so hard for the East Coast, you know, players to travel yeah. to. Uh, it's just it, it's incredible to see these numbers and it makes me so excited to be you know playing Pokemon at this time. Yeah, wow, and it just gives more weight to the to the victory of these. Uh, these individuals who made the top eight. So that's wonderful. I love to see, love to see the growth. Yeah. Um, so top eight consisted of uh, Sawyer Melbourne playing Lost Zone Kyogre, Alexander Flotos, Flat, Flatos, I'm sorry if I mispronounced that, playing uh, Lugia Archaeops with uh, Snorlax package, Ryan Harris, Harris playing Gardevoir EX, Nicolo Abates playing a very unorthodox RCS V-Star Gyarados V-Max deck, something no one really expected. Um, Dominic Viola playing a Charizard EX Pidgeot EX, although the graphic shows Lugia on here, so don't know about that. Um, <laughs> Azul GG playing Lost Zone Box Kyogre. Dorian Scott Stotts playing Lugia V-Star Archaeops with Snorlax as well. And then Charlie Kerr playing Lugia V-Star with Archaeops. Um, and then in first place, who do we have, Nick? We have Alexander Flatos with the Lugia, the colorless Lugia package. So congratulations to Alexander. Incredible job beating out 1,400 other players. You'll love to see it. And might I add that the fi- both finalists, Alexander and Nicolo, it was their very first Pokemon regional, which is amazing to see that's 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 bonkers and that gives hopes hopes to all of us truthfully (laughs) now i do want to at least this is what i have read on twitter i don't know these individuals i had heard that they competed at pretty high levels in other card games i want to say Yu-Gi-Oh, probably uh so they're not unfamiliar to the competitive scene and being on stream potentially uh, and playing at a high level it's just it's their first Pokemon regional, not necessarily their first major TCG tournament. So I want to throw that clarification out there. Um, you still do need to practice in order to win. Yeah, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, yes. you're not just going to walk. I mean, you could just walk up and win. Anybody technically has the chance to to show up and, and just win a tournament. But it's going to go to those who have put the most work in or, or have the most you know preparation usually. Yeah, no, still impressive nonetheless. I mean, I've been playing this game for a long time, and I have not seen a day two yet, so. <laughs> yeah, no, they're tough. They are very, very tough to come by. You know, 6 is not the easiest record in a 50-minute best of three. And we'll, we'll talk more about that as we get on, but uh, why don't we look at Alexander's first place list? And I don't know that the official list was released, uh, so it the, was not. Okay, so the one we have here is just kind of an approximate, pretty much uh, a fairly standard colorless Lugia build. The most interesting thing is the Luxray and the reversal energy. Not something that you see in every Lugia deck, but it, it makes sense when you think about it. It really does, and that's that's a tech that I've been hearing a lot of people like kind of chatter about, but to see it actually in play, I mean, it makes sense, especially if you're seeing a, you're expecting a lot of the Lugia V-Stars, which we see there was quite a bit of them here in this top eight. Um, but then again, you know, just in general, there was a lot of play for Lugia, so 
you know, say you're playing the mirror match, your opposing Lugia takes an early knockout, well now you can take that Luxray, play it down, and then take a one-shot back while only leaving a single prizer in the active, so um, I, I really do like it. It's a really good come-from-behind come mechanic card, and you're playing those special energies anyways, so why not have something that you can throw on there super easy? It's not like you have to have it in hand, because that Archeops finds it from the deck for you, and it's just really, really awesome tech. Yeah, and if you're not familiar, this Luxray is from Paldea Evolved. Luxray is a stage 2 Pokemon. It's a lightning type, it has 150 health, and it has the ability Swelling Flash. Once during your turn, this Pokemon is in your hand, and you have more prize cards remaining than your opponent, you could just put it straight onto the bench. You don't have to evolve it, which is absolutely bonkers. And it has the attack Wild Charge, does 180 damage for a Lightning and two Colors, and it does 20 damage to itself, but honestly, you don't really care about that. And as you mentioned, we have that uh, Reversal Energy, which if you're behind on prizes, which you need in order to be able to play the Luxray anyway, then you could attach that um, the Reversal Energy to your single prize or your non-rule box evolution Pokemon, and now it gets three energies of every kind. Well, each you get one energy of and it's every each time. type yeah <laughs> yeah that's it's hard to phrase uh you get three <laughs> energies and they're all energy so you meet that lightning requirement so a single attachment you just play it from hand single attachment you can attach from hand you, like you mentioned you have the archaeops the primal turbo it added a deck it's absolutely great if you have something else in the the active right because you can play this during your turn you can very easily again attach primal turbo to get energies onto your active, retreat it. You have jet energies that you can attach from hand to move the Luxray from the bench to the active. Mew EX has free retreat. Like there's a ton of ways we could very easily get this Luxray, not only into the active, but attacking the same turn and hitting that Lugia for uh, massive damage, hitting those, those uh, not, I guess, Palkias. It's really just for the Lugia. Um, I don't know how much else is... Uh, is weak to lightning except for the second place deck <laughs> the second yeah. place deck has a pretty important lightning weak attacker yeah i feel like that probably came into play quite a bit i i didn't get to watch any of the streams this weekend but i can only imagine that it, it did come into play and then and also you did mention um and because uh, i wanted to briefly touch on it we do see that new mu ex in this colorless lugia list as well so just being able to copy attacks uh throughout the you know the the series or the day um, Mew is just really strong, especially with uh, Turbo Lost Box and things like that being uh, played in such high numbers. Being able to copy Radiant Greninja is just so strong uh, for Mew and makes them, you know, the prize trading that much better uh, if they're playing a bunch of single prizes and stuff like that. So um, all around great list. Like I said, this is an approximate list. Um, it's not exact uh, as far as we know right now. But just still really cool to to see this list, and it makes me excited to potentially try some more Lugia because it's a deck that I normally have written off. But I mean, people are starting to see so much success with it. Yeah, it's really interesting. The previous tournament at Peoria, uh, Maridon was everywhere, and now all of a sudden you see uh, JW and Jesse <laughs> Parker not at Sacramento, and Lugia runs rampant. So the the two individuals who are known for playing Mariah on Bastra, it's a consistent success. Not in attendance, and Lugia going crazy. It's worth knowing that this list does not have a Dunsparce, which is really, uh, knowing how popular Mariah has been or how good Mariah is, it's not playing the Dunsparce is a little interesting. 
Um, I do really like the Mew as well. I think it's such a strong deck, uh, such a strong card in a deck like Colorless Lugia that can sometimes lack a little bit of power. So now you could hit into a Giratina V-Star and take a counter KO. You could hit into a Charizard RDX for potentially a KO, depending on how many prizes your opponent has taken and everything. I mean, it's a it's a really good card. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's very strong. And um with that, we'll go into the second place Nick uh Nick, the second place list by Nicolo Abate going 13, 2, and 3 with, um, I kind of briefly touched on it, being a very kind of rogue pick, uh, Arceus V-Star Gyarados V-Max. Yeah. What can you tell me about this li- list? It has a slacking V, which I... Yeah, it does. Now, Arceus plus Path to the Peak plus Judge equals win. You can basically put in, and I think it was Jared Grimes on Twitter, uh, who's the creator of Pokestats Live, uh, I'm pretty sure he was that you could pair Arceus with any random V plus path plus judge and do well. It's just a really strong combo. And here it is. Uh, you know, oh. Nicolo, uh, for, again, from what I read on Twitter, Nicolo played this deck because he likes to use Melanie, which this deck does run two Melanies. Uh, you get a water energy onto one of your Pokemon V, draw three cards. That's great because then if you whiff the energy attachment for turn one, which is a almost a death sentence for Arceus, now you have a way to recover turn two because you can Melanie a water energy. Uh, you have Radiant Greninja to get a water energy into discard. You have Ultra Ball. Um, you have ways to get that water energy into the discard. You could Starburst. If you, as long as you have a Melanie or uh, you can Starburst for the water energy in a double turbo, discard the water energy, boom, now you're able to uh, attack, in, it, in which you otherwise wouldn't be able to in a lot of Arceus builds. So I do personally like Ar- Melanie in Arceus decks, but the, the Garatina VMAX is crazy to me. Uh, the, the the Gyarados VMAX, sorry. Yeah, yeah, the Gyarados. The, um, yeah, going back to the Melanie, I've, I agree too. I've always loved Melanie as a card because the energy acceleration, drawing three cards, just very, very strong. It, it does seem that it's kind of um, not seen as much play lately. Granted, a lot of Vs are starting to kind of see their way out a little bit. So less Vs for it. Obviously, it's going to see less play. But um, yeah, and Slacking V, one of the things that people always forget, it does have that ability that says it can only attack when there's certain prize cards remaining. But because you're playing such a path-heavy deck, you turn your own ability off and you can attack at any point in the game with the yeah. Slacking V, as long as you have a path in play, which is incredibly strong because it does also, like you mentioned, disrupt your opponent. Um, and then, yeah, the Gyarados V and VMAX. Well, I don't think this is something that anyone saw coming especially with something like maridon running rampant the luxray reversal energy that we just talked about um and just other decks it, being able to hit super high numbers chimp pow guard of war single striker shifu v max like these are all things that can very easily ko this gyarados for three prizes so yeah yeah it, exactly and i mean maybe he you know obviously i don't know what nicolo was thinking as or how he plan this but um that gyarados v does have an attack that it does do more damage counters based or more damage based on how many damage counters are on it so maybe something with like that v guard energy uh attached to it it doesn't get one shot and then therefore you can one shot anything else in return um 
it's very interesting. It is only a one one line, so maybe that he was more focused on the like the Arceus and slacking package since he is playing Sharon's care, and then if the opportunity arose, the Gyarados could come into play. But yeah, it's just something very crazy um, to see. Yes, the like you mentioned, the Gyarados V has 220 health, and with the V Guard energy, it does get bumped up to effectively 250. But I mean, like you, you already just you just said it. There's not as many V's. There's a lot of EXs, so the V Guard energy doesn't even help that. And if we're being super honest, 250 is not a difficult number to overcome. Guard, uh, the Giratina still easily does it. Any single strike variant can easily do it. Lugia with the um, the the colorless version can do it with the Luxray. Single strike Lugia could do it with the Urshifu with the Tyranitar. Like, and then that's not even Turbo including Lost the Lost Box Dragonite V. Yeah, I mean, like, there's still plenty of decks that can very easily hit 250, and that's just the popular Vs. Doesn't include the EXs that are running around. So. It's an interesting line for sure because the VMAX isn't very good. Hyper Beam for two waters and a colorless does 120. Discard an energy from your opponent's active Pokemon. Cool. Jam Pow has great energy recovery. Lawson decks have excellent energy recovery. Uh, Lugia has infinite a energy. Accessories. Energies. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Gardevoir <laughs> wants energies in the discard. Like, most like who who really cares about it? Flaffy can Dynamotor and energy back to a bench Pokemon retreat attack. Like who who cares in most of these matchups? I'm so curious to see how some of these games played out and how much of an impact Gavados actually had in his uh you know during those rounds. Yeah, that is that would be something worth noting. If anyone listening um, did was able to watch a lot of these uh, the tournaments this weekend and wants to you know reach out to us on our Twitter, um, feel free to hit us up and let us know because um, I know personally, like I said, I was not able to watch any of the Sacramento regionals this weekend, so I would be very interested to know if it actually did come into play or it was just something that in in theory he thought it would work and it just he went with the Arceus package instead. Yeah, was it was it. Arceus path judge and just hit with whatever you have available. Slacking hits pretty hard. Um, I think it hits for 250 or 260. So, you know, that's a pretty good number to hit. And then you throw a choice belt on there. Defiant band. If you're behind on prizes, you're, you're doing some really good numbers there. Uh, so I wonder how much the gear, the, the Gyarados, you want to say guaranteed because that's the more popular Arceus version. Uh, the Gyarados really influence. So if it's just like, all right, I'm going to path judge you. You're never really going to get set up. And now you have to deal with this big 330 HP Pokemon. That's going to discard the few energies that you can put on. So have fun, I guess. Like that, that's a very real possibility. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. But nonetheless, very cool to see this. And like, uh, like you mentioned earlier, Nick, uh, first and second place, their first major Pokemon regionals. And uh, we got first and second place. So Still incredible to uh, to say the least. Oh, for sure, absolutely. Congratulate, huge congratulations to both of them. Seriously, inspirational. Um, next up, we've got an honorable mention. Actually, we haven't done this in a little while, but um, in fifty fifth place, we have Brandon Jones with uh, something we haven't seen in a while in Hisuian Zoroark V Star. Um, again, Nick, what can you tell me? That's uh, something about this list that uh, is a little unique. Quad Klefkies. I think that sticks out. 
I think the other thing that really sticks out to me is the two that just uh, what is it the the justice gloves or justified gloves? Well, you justified do, gloves. You do extra damage to dark type Pokemon, which is strictly for the Charizard EX uh, matchup. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> so it's really cool to see because now you can't use the Holucha because the Holucha, the Radiant Holucha, does thirty damage to V Maxes. And you can't use Choice Belt because that only works on Vs. So now you have to rely on something like Justified Gloves to get that extra 30 damage for the matchup that you need. Um, so it, it's cool that there's an option for that matchup, but it kind of stinks that y- you are stuck with it only being useful against Charizard EX. And now you have these two dead cards and uh, you know other other matchups. So that's... I guess that's the trade-off, though, right? Yeah, and I mean, if anything, it's Ultra Ball fodder and stuff like that. But yeah, just the the quad Klefkies, this person went in and was like, I'm going to just disrespect Lost Box, Lost Zard, not allow them to play the game and set up. And then if they do happen to set up in the Charizard matchup, the Justified Glove swings big numbers, um, Radiant Alexam to move extra damage counters around to make those knockouts, just something that we haven't seen in so long and the four obviously the four copies of gape job bog so there's extra damage counters getting moved around on yours and your opponent's side of the field uh just something we never thought we would see again um i mean i know i've been sitting on zoroark v and v stars and they have not moved to my tcg player store because no one wants them <laughs> yeah this and this list is very straightforward. The four Hisuians or Arc Vs, the four V Stars, the four Klefkies, Ultra Ball, Capturing Aroma, Research, Iono, Gape Draw Bog, uh, Damage Pump, Double Turbo. Like those are all four ofs, and that doesn't even include the few three ofs that we have as well, like Boss, Gengar, three Psychic Energies, which I do think is very important for the uh, the Joust. Joust is a, a pretty useful attack. As is, I think it's like Screaming Circle on the Gengar, where you just get to place, I think, six damage counters or whatever it is. So those can be useful uh, in trying to offset prize trades or just, you know, punch a little damage into something that you wouldn't be able to take a knockout on otherwise while offering up a single prizer. So pretty cool. Yeah, exactly. And then something that, too, that uh, I had uh, a very interesting scenario at one of my challenges this weekend with the uh, Radiant Alakazam itself also has an attack for uh, that does 20 times the amount of cards in your opponent's hand. And there was an, uh, an interaction that I had personally this weekend where I, uh, someone, I escape rope and someone brought up the Radiant Alakazam. I brought up my Mew EX was able to uh, take a very obviously easy knockout because they had a lot of cards in hand for getting what their own attack did. Um, they just thought I would, it was a useless attack that did no damage. Um, so if you are in a situation where your opponent's like building up these giant hands with something like a Lost Box matchup, you could even go in with the Radiant Alexam if you want to if they happen to drop one of their Vs and knock out with your single prized Radiant Alexam. Granted, you might not want to do that, but it is an option if you need to do that because you are playing those Psychic Energies too. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, that's pretty cool, and, and, and uh, you know, good awareness of realizing that the the Radiant Alakazam can uh, can actually attack. It's not a, yeah, it's yeah, not it's, always just the ability. Yeah, so you got to read those cards sometimes. I know I know I had to read it before I uh, before I escape rope, but you know I was like, all right, we got this. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, with that, we have 
the updated meta share brought to us by Justin Basil. So uh, thank you, Justin Basil, for providing this lovely graphic each Monday. Lost Box at the top of the list. Not yep. surprising. <laughs> right? Lost Box Radiant Greninja is pretty good. Even though it didn't win uh, the Sacramento Regional, it's still doing really, really well. It's still performing well. It's still something you have to absolutely have somewhat of a decent matchup to. Or at the very least, if you're going to lose to Lost Box, you have to beat everything else, I think. It's something that you have to have a game plan for. You have to be prepared for whether you're, it's uh, a positive matchup or a tech card or s something to do with Lost Box because you're, you're probably going to see it. Yeah, I mean, at any tournament, uh, Challenge Cup, Regional, if you've been to anything like that recently, you'll have noticed that Lost Box is a majority of the room, it seems like. It seems like everyone's playing it. Um, you know, and the, the challenges I did this weekend, it was at least 50%, I would say, maybe a little less, but Lost Box. Um, myself, I play it. it. It's really good. It's really fast. It's really strong. It has very good comeback potential. So with all those things combined, it's always going to be played in really big numbers. And it did, uh, you know, before Sacramento's, it did, or Sacramento it did win the Peoria Regionals in the form of Kyogre. So, um, you know, when something wins, it's obviously going to be played in high numbers as well, too, because people are going to switch over and try it, too. Yeah, and no surprise, Lugia V-Star is in the number two spot. It did super well at Sacramento this weekend, like we talked about being four of the top eight. So what half of it, Lugia, kind of brings us back to Silver Tempest format when Lugia being the undisputed best deck of the format for several months and i and i'm i'm hoping we don't go exactly back to that but at the same time as someone who plays lugia i kind of want to go back to that um <laughs> and then we just go down the rest of the list number three is gardevoir number four is maridon champow in fifth mew in sixth sablezard lost box with, with radiant charizard in number seven and finally giratina v-star in number eight and that's the uh lost zone giratina yeah, so, I mean, all the main contenders that we expect to see right now, um, I, Sablezard, I have been seeing that list uh, or list like that come come around lately. Um, I do think it's really good because you're kind of going in with a single prize matchup. People aren't really playing Lost Cities right now, um, so you, there's a good chance that your Radiant Zard sticks around and you get to use it multiple times. So just really good. Um, Gardevoir, obviously very strong. It's still, in my mind, in a lot of people's minds, the best deck in format, but because of the topic we'll get into later about the tie issue, um, it, I think that's why it's in number three in kind of the tier two position because of that. Maridon, obviously great, great straightforward deck. Chen Pao is also an incredible deck. There was a lot more people playing that at locals that I've noticed uh, than there were in previous weeks. Um, the return of <laughs> DT Emu. Um, we saw Rowan Stavenoff at Peoria pilot that insane with the new grabbers from Pokemon 151. Play um, Spiritomb. Go back yeah. to putting Spiritomb. We can't let this happen. We're so close to rotation being potentially sometime in January. I'm just guessing. We can make it. We can make it the next couple <laughs> of months without Mew being a real force if we just go back to Spiritomb. 
And it helps in other matchups too. The Lugia, if they have like a really bad start and they have to play Luminion down to get a supporter. I mean, Spiritomb can shut down Lugia in a heartbeat because of that. So not only are you shoring up the Mew Mew matchup, but you're shoring up that Lugia matchup too. There was a time and some some still might play two Luminions in Lugia because you just, so many times you rely on Luminion, Professor Burnett, get those Archaeops in the discard. And that's how you have to play the game sometimes. So, uh, yeah, you can very easily deal with Lugia with uh, a well-timed Path, Judge, uh, Roxanne, Spiritomb. It's pretty easy to mess that deck up, if we're being honest. I don't, yeah. know, I don't know how it's doing so well still. Everyone's rolling heads on those capturing aromas. Yeah, everyone but and me. And Mesagoses. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's... Everyone but me. Um, but yeah, and then the 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 straggler kind of hanging on at the end is the the lost Tina. Um, I personally still think that deck is really strong. Um, I just I I don't know if it, maybe it's because it, it breaks really hard. There's people on just different decks and it's not seen a lot of play, but it's just not having the performances that we would expect from a deck that's this powerful. Um, why do you think that might be, Nick? I'm gonna poorly quote Azul, I'm going to paraphrase something that he had said on his <laughs> podcast because I think it is the most accurate description and that is there's no real way to play Giratina V-Star like the Lost Zone version that isn't Lost Zone Giratina you can't really make it your own you kind of have to play it a certain way uh, and I think that makes it a little boring for people I think it makes it a little predictable you kind of expect what the line's going to be. You know what's in the deck list because you are kind of stuck playing it as is. It's it's, it's a rather prescribed deck and that just uh, is either unappealing or makes it easier to beat because you, you, you kind of know what to expect from it already. So I think that's a couple of the reasons you're seeing it towards the bottom or at the bottom of this uh, this top eight list. Yeah, I mean the biggest variance we see in the in the list is playing water energies or not playing water energies, and that's that's pretty much it. Yeah, <laughs> you're running like three or you're running zero, one or three. That's usually what people are doing, and it's like, do you go with the one bait water energy, or <laughs> do you do you actually commit to it, or you just say I'm not doing that? I'm playing four 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 grass like a uh, what is it jet? So that's yeah, that's like. How crazy you can get. That's all the spice you yeah. can do in a Giratina Lost Zone deck. And that's some people don't want that. They they want their text. They want their, you know, to turn a deck into their own. They don't want to play the exact same 60 or 58 cards for however many months. So I I think for some people it loses an appeal. Yeah, I completely understand that. Um, but again, thank you, Justin Basil, for uh making these graphics for us every week. Um not only for us, but for obviously all the people out there. It's incredibly insightful to uh, keep our eyes on the meta using his website. Um, With that, we're going to go into our next segment. Um, So it's kind of a hot topic right now. When or Kai trying? (laughs) This is uh, quoted by Kevin Clemente and uh, probably others, but Drew actually inserted this in here because um, he saw this and he just thought it was a great saying um, and you know, kind of been a hot topic for a little while now. Um, but is this a viable strategy in the current standard format? Is it an issue or does something need to be done about it? Um, what are your thoughts on this, Nick? Uh, 
I, I, it is, is it a viable strategy? Yes, it is. If you can go 504 at a regional and make day two, awesome. Do it. People might not like playing against you. You might not have as much fun, but if your objective is to make day two and you can do it by getting ties, do it. Do I want to win like that? Do I want to make day two like that? Personally, no. I I think I'd rather win win quick or lose quick, and that's why I play Lugia still. Um, <laughs> you know, I have never. I don't think playing Lugia, I've ever had a game go to time. Um, is it an issue? Yes. And no, it's not an issue when players are actually legitimately taking, you know, a couple of moments to consider their actions, map out their sequencing, whatever. That has to happen. That's part of a, a, a training card game, right? You have a series of actions you need to take in a very specific order, and you don't want to mess that order up. However, it becomes an issue when players are deliberately taking unnecessary actions just for the sake of running that clock down and it's extremely difficult to know when someone crosses the line because it's about intent and you can never really know someone's intent unless they tell you so i it, it it's creeping up to be an issue um I don't, I don't think it's as rampant or as widespread as people might think it is because of what you see on Twitter, but it is something that people will try to exploit. People will try to get wins off of or at the very least not get a loss from. So it was something to, uh, I think it's worth a discussion having or worth having that discussion about tying and uh, actions and times to make those actions. Yep. Um, so I'll, and that's very good insight. Um, I'll put in my two cents on the situation from personal, um, experience. So I feel I am a naturally like kind of fast player. Um, there's some, obviously some instance where it's a hard decision. It takes me a couple more seconds, but, um, so all when I'm playing, especially best of threes, I'm trying to win as fast as possible. One because I don't want to have to go to time every round, and I want to give my time brain my my brain time to kind of reset, breathe a little bit, clear out before the next match. That being said, there have been instances where uh, I've played a. Game one just went really long, whether it was because my opponent was playing slow or it was just a very grindy back and forth. And it took up, like, say, let's say, for instance, uh, three-fourths of the time in round. And I won game one. Well, naturally, there's not going to be enough time for a game two to finish anyways. And there's a chance that, like, I just have a really bad start and my opponent pops off. And there has been a time or two where... Like we've got, we're starting game two and we have 10 minutes left and I like start, okay, you know, two Ralts and literally nothing else. How can I stretch this out to make it last? Not obviously taking intentional turns, but I'm not going my lightning fast pace that I normally was because it's like, truthfully, if this goes 10 turns into the game, there's a chance I lose and then it goes to a tie naturally because I won game one, he won game two, there's no way for a game three to finish. So in certain aspects, I think that 
it is okay to slow down to a normal pace, but not purposely slow down to, I'm going to play a level ball, look through my deck for 15 seconds, grab a card, put it down, shuffle my deck, put it, let my opponent cut it, play a second level ball, search my deck for 15 seconds. That's where I think it becomes an issue. But I think in the scenario of you only have 10 minutes left and you don't want the second game to potentially finish and you have enough, you can play the game enough to a point where you're not slow playing by any means and not purposely making those actions, but you're not playing that lightning fast pace you were playing game one. I think it's okay because you were already playing at an exponential pace game one anyways, if that makes sense. It might sound like I'm being a jerk and like slow playing people on game two. I want to make it clear that I don't normally do that. It's only happened in like one or two scenarios, but it was because of those instances themselves. I don't think there's anything wrong with taking your actions. You have a handful of minutes left in the round and you're up a game. Play it out. Yeah, you should. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you give yourself the best chance to win? But again, it comes comes down to that intent. Am I intentionally slowing down the entire pace of the game specifically to run down the clock? Or am I taking my actions in such a way that a a standard or an outside viewer would say, yeah, that's a normal that's normal gameplay. I think that's kind of what it comes down to is if someone was watching from the outside and those people are called judges, uh, if a judge was watching, (laughs) would they, would they think otherwise? Would they think that's normal, you know, standard gameplay action sequencing time, or would someone, you know, interpret that as no, he's running down the clock. And like I said, it gets, it gets extremely difficult and, one of the questions is, is there something that needs to be done about this? Is there something that can be done about this? Does Pokemon have to change yeah. the rules? I, I don't know the answers. I don't I don't play at a high enough level to really be able to say. I don't I'm not you, you know, I, as much as I love playing Pokemon and as as all right as a player as I think I am. I think this kind of boils down to what some of the top players think about it as, as kind of a cop out as that is. And I know some people are like, why would you give the best players the people who benefit from this the most, the most say in it? It's because they're the ones who are there. They're the ones who have that experience. Um, I, I don't know. I, I just, I just don't think I have the, the knowledge to, determine whether or not something needs to be done about it because i just i'm not competing as often as as some of these other elite and top players are so yeah and and i will say in the rules it has been written uh, obviously we've talked about it before but um intentionally making those extra plays no like knowing that you're stalling the clock out like so you're purposely it is technically against the rules now where it's like if you are intentionally doing things, taking extra turns, taking you know extra searches that are not needed because in the intent of slowing the game down, you can actually call a judge over at any time and ask to them to watch the game as well um, because since that is an issue, 
if you're worried about your opponent doing that, you can call the judge and have them watch. And if the judge determines that they're purposely making uh, plays to stall the clock out to where you can't win, um, they can get penalized or game losses because of it. So that's the thing. It's it's like I, I do feel and it, you never want to be that guy, right? That has to be the person to call the judge like. I, I do everything in my power to not have to call a judge if I don't have to. Obviously, certain scenarios you need to, but um, I I've have to be that person. I, I always go, hey, I don't want to be that guy. Um, just due to the clock, can you please pick up your pace of play? I completely understand your make your your thinking, but it's we need to pick it up or else the game's not going to finish. I've I literally had to do that this weekend to some guy, and he apologized. And at night after the game, I was like. Hey, I am so sorry I had to be that. I just wanted to make sure we didn't tie. We needed to finish the game. Um, it is one of those awkward situations to be that person to have to ask. But if you really do, in a high-stakes situation, think that someone is intentionally making those plays to um, to roll out the clock on purpose, like playing level ball, shuffle, level ball, shuffle, level ball, shuffle, um, don't be afraid to call the judge over and just say, hey, can you watch our match? Yeah, because get, no, get the judge. That, don't 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 yeah, and hesitate. I think it's polite if you want to say, "Hey, you know, please pick up the pace of play. I don't want to have to call a judge over." And if they don't, don't hesitate. Don't give them three warnings. Don't give because then you just wasted however much time. Be you want to be courteous and, and inform them that you're going to call a judge over if they don't pick up the pace of play because you think they might be slow playing. Cool, that's your choice. You don't have to. You can just call a judge right over, and that's. Also okay, um, but I think it's really hard to differentiate between to 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 determine someone's intent. You know, they play two level, they yeah, play a level ball shuffle, part. and then they say, "I'm going to play another level ball," and it's like, "Why?" Well, uh, I I forgot what I had, or I just want to double check something, or how do how do you know? Or hand thin, or something you, you like know, that. Like, yeah. Oh, you know, I didn't realize I had this one. Or like, how do you know that they're intentionally doing it, or it wasn't honest? mistake or an honest decision or a change of plans maybe they level balled the first time went through shuffled and said you know what i i think this is actually my better strategy now because of what i saw what it's in my hand reevaluate the board state it's it's very difficult uh so i don't know exactly what can be done about it and that's that's kind of the last i'll i'll mention yeah, and then just to add to that, it's really hard to with the intent now because we're in a format right now where um, I personally think the format is very healthy, but there are a lot of decks that are very combo heavy. Um, you know, they're just very long sequences for, for every turn. Just say it. Um, it's, Gardevoir, it's lost box. We know it. Just say it. It's okay. Yeah. They, they yeah, know lost box, Gardevoir. <laughs> you know, mo- there, there's multiple decks that take. Um, you know. Many we had it before with um, uh, Arc Intel, um, you know, just so many sequences and scoop up nets, and there, there's a lot of decks that take a lot of time in between every turn, and that I think doesn't help the situation because it's not we're not in a meta where you just attach energy, knock out, or attach energy, swing, and that's your turn. It only takes like 30 seconds for your turn. There are a lot of combos, a lot of abilities, um, and that that tends to lead to a naturally longer game anyways. So then on top of someone playing slower on those combo heavy decks, it just makes for a very unfortunate um, situation we're in right now. And I don't know if there's anything that truthfully 
can be done. I definitely don't want to extend the time on best of threes you, as much as can't. it sucks because you, you just can't. Right. So I was long say, already. You're already there all. Yeah, exactly. You're already there all day long, especially at a regional. They're already talking about, you know, cutting out. People are so okay with cutting out lunch breaks just to get out faster for the day because it takes so long to play nine rounds. It's just it's, it's you. You can't extend the time anymore, and it's very unfortunate. But um, I've heard all kinds of crazy strategies, and none of them particularly sound great to me. I just think we need to be more okay with calling the judges if you think you're in that weird scenario where someone is stalling out for time and because it is such a stipulation to call a judge on someone like i i feel like i've gotten so many dirty looks um anytime i've had to call a judge for weird things like that um not only from my opponent but from people sitting next to me because they're like oh i don't want to play that guy he's a rule shark and it's like i'm not a rule shark i'm just trying not to get stalled out yeah who cares if you need the judge get the judge it's not important. Like I said, there's a level of courtesy and, and you know spirit of the game and all that kind of stuff. I don't I don't like rule sharking, but if you feel like you need a judge, you need a judge. You shouldn't. It, the, the more your opponent tries to convince you you don't need a judge, the more you need a judge, right? So yeah, uh, that's that's how I feel about that. Um, I will say, I, I want to know what you're thinking about this so tell us comment do you think this is a problem what do you think should be done about it um is this something you've experienced on either side of this so i i I am genuinely curious about other people's um thoughts and opinions about this because it is a very complex uh complex situation that affects the entire player base yeah, great. That was great. Yeah, uh, definitely reach out to us on Twitter. Um, we would love to hear from you, and maybe it'll be one of the listener questions uh, for next week, or you know, we'll just read. A, maybe we'll do a whole segment on reading what people said about these situations. So, um, but with that, it's a great segue into the listener questions. It's week. almost like I planned that. <laughs> I know you did a great job. I need to pick up from you. So. Ryan hit us up and asks, I want to play Pokemon more. PTCGL is a disaster. How can I get a meaningful practice that translates into stronger competitive play? Nick, I'm going to let you start this one. I think there's a few options. I agree. Live is garbage. I've said it for a very long time now. I I barely play live. I love playing Pokemon. I, I play maybe three to five games of live a week, and that's it. So I I understand where Ryan is coming from with this. How do you get more meaningful practice that translates into stronger competitive play? Assuming you have some people in your community that you can play with, I think the best way to play and test where you're trying to not just get games in, but to really learn matchups and learn your lines, play open hand, play... And discuss yes. what you're thinking, what your lines are. Your your partner, whoever you're testing with, is a testing partner, right? They're not your opponent. So you should be talking to each other. What would you what would mess up your partner the most? What do they not want you to do? Because that's really ultimately what you should be doing is the thing that they don't want you to. Um, and you can kind of take it from there. See if you take an action, what is the consequence? What happens two, three turns from now? And if you can try to rewind it and go back and say, okay, that didn't work out. What happens if I do this? And then, you know, follow that sequence of actions down 
if that doesn't work, rewind it. Okay, well, what 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 should I be doing here? And try different things. I think that's really the, that's what I would do. If you don't have people, you know, in your local community that you can meet up at your, your local game store or whatever, hang out, play, we have some solutions. There are webcam tournaments that you can play in, but that's not really practice. Um, that's more a tournament. So there are... We do have like the webcam war discord. I know that the PCS community has webcam stuff. There's the R Pokemon TCG discord server that has webcam stuff. Um, you can join these discords, find people who want to do some play testing, who want to get some like, actual practice and not just run a few games quickly because uh, they have dinner in 20 minutes. So we got to wrap this up real fast. You know, take that hour, play two, three games, and really run through the actual lines. And and uh, I think that's kind of the best way to do it personally. Yeah, I mean, I'm just going to kind of reiterate what, what you touched on. Um, I will say with the PCS podcast Discord, um, which we have the link to be invited to the Discord in our Twitter bio. Um, so if you guys want to go on there, we actually have a whole section for webcam games uh, on there. And there's constantly... People asking, hey, anyone want to run games tonight? Um, or you can post in there like, hey, I'm looking for some games. Uh, so there are, in, in our Discord specifically, an area for people to practice and test. I've jumped on a few nights where um, like my wife's gone to bed early or the kid's gone to bed early and I just want to get a couple games in before a cup. And I've just hung out and chatted and played games and practiced. Um, but for me personally, outside of that... Um, I, I, I do hate PTCG Live as well. I keep telling myself I need to play more um, and to fire it up and actually build decks and play on there, but because I just I don't want to. Because uh, <laughs> I also like the human interaction, right, of playing the game too, talking with people. It's just one of the one of the things that got me into the game. So I never play on there as much as I, I want to get on there, and then I obviously read all the disasters that happen, and it just discourages me more from playing. But um, I do have my local group and team uh, that we do practice nights, and we actually, like Nick said, we play open-handed, or we will play a game, and we have, like, one other person's behind me, and one other person's behind my opponent, and we talk plays through, okay, what would you do in this situation, what's your choice, because you might not always see a play, um, you might be kind of, like, tunnel vision on yeah. the play, yeah, whereas sure. maybe there's a more tech play that you might, or a roundabout way that'll win you the game later, um, Doing stuff like that has helped me exponentially over the last couple of years. Um, I mean, just to the point where I went from an, a, a decent player to above average. Um, at least I feel above average. I don't want to get my head, head too big, obviously. Um, better than I was, I should say. Um, so that helps a lot. Um, and then if if you don't even have that group like that, if you do have a local shop to you, like Nick said, Going in there is that that is just going to be practice for you. It, it's in person practice. You can meet people that potentially want to play games with you. Like yes, there's like the local league. That's where you go and you meet those people. But in my experience, I've always after the tournaments happened or even beforehand, there's always people hanging out beforehand or after that want to play just fun games. And even though they're fun games, that's practice. Like there's been times I've been at a challenge and I'm doing horrible and I'll stay one because i probably either drove someone that's doing well or rode with someone that's doing well but i'll play it out because those other games even though i'm not 
you know, set for any prizing, just playing that game is practice, right? You're, you're testing hands, you're testing what could happen in scenarios. Usually those low table games are the ones where I kind of tried weird stuff that usually doesn't work out, but there's been games where it's like, oh, I never thought about this line of play. Let me try it. So, um, I definitely feel like those are your best options, but, um, Outside of our Discord, there are tons of other Discords that people people are all into the webcam games. So um, you don't necessarily even need a great webcam setup. I've literally seen people take like coat racks and put shoe boxes on the side and dangle their camera from like a post in between over their playmat, and that's how they play. It's like it's pretty pretty easy as long as you got a single webcam with a mic and you can talk to people on there. I use my phone. I honestly. Even for my my videos for my YouTube channel, the like pack openings and webcam battles that I do on the channel, that's done on my phone. So if if you're oh, if did not know that. yeah if you if you want to hear more about my setup, let me know. Hit me up on Twitter, Dark Bear Dojo, and uh, you can also speaking of hitting us up on Twitter, you could send in your listener question to PCS underscore Pod on Twitter, and you never know, it might be read and answered on the next episode. So, uh, but I, before we move on from that listener question, I, I do have one more thing I want to throw out to Ryan, uh, and that is you, you have to just play games, right? You just have to play as many games as you can. And this is something that I tell to my jujitsu students all the time. You can come to class twice a week and you'll learn some stuff, but you're never going to excel. You can come and you can train your two days and you, you know, you hang out, you're, you're you know, you don't challenge yourself. You don't push yourself during sparring. You're just kind of going through because you're there and you're, yeah, absolutely. I guarantee every single person who's ever been to a, a public gym, an LA fitness, a, a Planet fitness, uh, something fitness, right? You've all seen the guy or the person who's at the gym all the time, but they never actually work out. They're just kind of walking around checking on checking out different machines uh and just kind of like talk chatting with people hanging out and next thing you know they're in the sauna like oh what a day and then they take off <laughs> you can go to the gym six days and do that and nothing will happen you will get zero benefits so if you're gonna play the game you kind of have to play and you have to play often and don't just play the the matchups that you know you're going to win i'm a black belt in jujitsu Beating up white belts does nothing for me, right? It doesn't help me. It, it helps them because they get to learn. I get to teach them. But if I want to learn, I want to get good practice, I got to go find other skilled jujitsu fighters. I got to find other people who can challenge and push me. Um, so finding, playing against other good players, I know it's not always easy in a, in a local community uh, to know who the good players are or if you even have good players, but... Um, you got to put in the reps. Don't just play against the easy matchups. You're Maridon. Don't just feed on, on Lugia's all day, right? Play the deck. Play your tough play matchups. Play your tough matchups. Learn the outs. Play the decks that are 50-50, 45-55 in their, uh, in, in their favor, right? Those are the matchups yeah. you should really be testing into the ground because if you play more of that matchup than your opponent has, then you're more likely to win because you have, I shouldn't say more likely to win, but you have a better chance of winning because you understand the matchup better. And again, something I always tell my students, in jujitsu, it's a fight, right? They're like, oh, I, I, I'm trying to do this submission, but it never works or I can't get it. And it's like, 
who trained more? Did you train the submission more? Or did your opponent train the defense more? Whoever trained more on this is going to win. So you got to spend the time <laughs> and you have to put in the work. Otherwise, you're not going to get that stronger competitive play. You just won't. Yeah, yeah, I that's 100% true. Um move move to uh, an area with a lot of high-end <laughs> players. It'll it'll hit you hard. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> All right. Um with that though, we're going to move on to our Patreon uh Discord update. This Thursday, October 19th is our standard webcam locals. So, Ryan, if you want to get in there and uh check out the webcam locals, there you go. Uh, actually, that's a Patreon one, but uh Next time, next time. <laughs> uh, and then October 27th, which is a Friday, we'll have GLC webcam locals. Come join the fun and hope you all can make it out. And then with that, uh, Nick, we're going to go into our Lil predictions. I mean, Lil is still the same format, right? So, what, right? I'm, I'm actually genuinely asking. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I believe it is. If yeah. it is, I don't expect really much to be different. Maybe you see an uptick in Mariah on the battle off these Lugias. Maybe... Um, I doubt you're going to see an uptick in Arceus insert random V just because it's, it's a little volatile, uh, on whether or not you could do well with it. Um, so I, I probably wouldn't expect like a ton to change. And if you're going to Lil, like one good luck and two, I'd probably just play what you know, the best, what you've been playing. Um, it, unless you really just like just are done with whatever you played most recently at, at you know i mean i don't know who's going from sacramento to lille in france but you know if you're uh, if you're in that small group of players one you probably don't need my advice and two <laughs> i would just stick with what you know you're, you're i don't know how much time you have to really truly learn and, and prepare a totally new deck and um i'd probably just keep running back honestly so i i don't my my little prediction is very similar to my sacramento prediction is probably just see what happened last time <laughs> yeah and adjust from there <laughs> uh i'm gonna go in with um i think sables art actually so uh a deck that i feel like is kind of underrated lost box is obviously very good at the moment um, but Sablesard is goes in full full swing with that single prize matchup, uh, so just really strong because you're only taking one prize max. Well, I guess could potentially take two prizes in turn, uh, but I just think it's it, it it's turbo loss. It's not like turbo loss where you have a bunch of two prizers that could potentially go and play. It's it's pure one prizer, so I like that and the fact that there's not a lot of lost cities running around um, at all realistically. I think that's going to put it in a really good spot um, because if they go up against Mew that is playing Lost City, they're just going to put the Spirit Tomb down and then lock the Mew out and win from there. So that's going to be my prediction. Okay, okay. If I had to pick a deck to do well, I think last time, I th I'm pretty sure last week I said Champau. Oh, no, I said Gardevoir. I said Gardevoir, which... Uh, I was kind of right. One made top eight, so yeah, I, made it in top that's eight. That's kind of fun. Uh, I'm gonna, ah oh, man, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say Lugia because, sure, 
right? <laughs> I'm going to it's, it's It's very strong right now, and it's Lost Box usually has a, a, a little bit of a tough time going into it. So, I mean, it's a great yeah, pick. Yeah, I'm going to say Lugia, even though I definitely don't think it's going to win again. But who knows? Single strike or colorless? Uh, for f- <laughs> my heart says single strike. My brain says colorless. Does that help? All right, we'll we'll, we'll take it. We'll accept it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Um, and with that, if you guys want to find me on Twitter, my handle is Pokebrews TCG. And if you want to find me on Instagram, my handle is Pokebrews. Instagram is the easiest way to reach me, um, but on both socials, you can find my Linktree account where you can find things like my TCG player store. If you use that link, it takes you to my storefront where I'm updating inventory practically daily. You can also find things like our PCS podcast official merchandise by Bonfire. That link is bonfire.com slash store slash PCS pod. Um, and for Drew, Drew is Katana TCG on Twitter and Instagram. Um, hit him up and tell him you missed his squeaky voice this week. Um, we definitely did. I was trying to convince him to come on, even though he could barely talk. Um, we did with that. If you guys want to check out our, we oh, did try to get Drew on. I did tell him his voice sounded very oh, sexy, and he, uh, he and he had a great stash, like a just a. He magnet. did, yeah. The stash was awesome. We need to we need to move this to a video podcast yeah. too, so he so people can check out his different facial his, hairs all the time because it's constantly it changing. Was glorious. Anyway, sorry to interrupt. No, you're you're perfectly fine. We needed that little bit. Um, but if you guys want to check out the Patreon, the Patreon doc is doc, our Patreon is patreon.com slash PCS podcast. That'll get you entries for the monthly giveaways as well as entrance to the PCS locals. Um, and with that, we're going to move on to you, Nick Dark Bear Dojo. Yeah, Dark Bear Dojo officially in effect. I, I was extremely excited to make this announcement. Uh, Dark Bear Dojo, YouTube, Twitter, Discord, all that kind of stuff. Uh, it's, uh, it's the easy Twitter's always the easiest way to reach me out and and same with Discord. You could join the Discord and uh I'm on there pretty frequently. So you know, you just it's pretty easy to get in touch with me if you are so inclined. But uh yeah, I, I hope that you enjoy being a member of or I hope you become a member of Dark Bear Dojo. I have some now that we got this out of the way, right? The rebrand is live, we're done, cool. I have a new thing that I'm going to start teasing because I have another something I'm trying to work on uh, personally. Tease us. Uh, oh, yeah. Daddy, tease me. <laughs> uh, Drew, Drew actually... Ex- <laughs> and this is where Drew cancels us. <laughs> he, he asked me explicitly to stop doing that voice. <laughs> and I won't. So uh, I have a new thing to tease. It is... It's, I think it's going to be really cool if I'm able to pull this off, and I think it's going to change not necessarily Pokemon TCG content, but it's it's going to be unlike anything you've seen relating to Pokemon, and I couldn't be more pumped to do it. I'm so excited. You, you teased me, right? Oh, oh my. <laughs> yeah, you like that. All right, we'll uh, we'll save you guys uh, your your ears, and uh, we'll t- <laughs> we will see you guys next time. Oh man, probably not. <laughs> yeah, Drew, Drew's just like pod's done. We're out of here. <laughs> All right, that's yeah, that's gonna do. We're still gonna get out of here. All right, see you guys. Have a great one.